Good morning. Today I'll be reading out of Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy isn't hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Lord, we just thank you for your word that helps us to understand uh, more and more as we as we read your word the uh, responsibilities that we have as uh, as believers. And so, Father, I just pray that you would just continue to uh, uh, put these strongly and firmly into our hearts and minds, so that we would walk in this uh, in our day to day life. We thank you, Lord. We pray for Marty and uh, the message that he's going to bring. Just pray that you'd help us to hear and uh, apply what it is that you put on his heart to share with us today. We thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So Aaron asked me to preach this morning, and um, he asked me to preach a specific message that I preached in East Randolph in January. Um, and we are going through the book of Hebrews, and this particular message is a uh, three selected passages from the book of Hebrews on the importance of being devoted to one another, um, church membership. And so this is the, uh, the passage that, um, or the sermon that Aaron asked me to preach. Um, and I found it really helpful, even as I've been reviewing these notes again this week, of just the importance of us honestly admitting and realizing we need each other. We, we say that, but we need to really believe that. Um, and I believe the book of Hebrews, although the term church membership is not used, is arguing for what we would call church membership. So the theme statement we are using for the book of Hebrews, because it's really good when you're studying a book of the Bible, like, what, what is the author getting at? What, what is their intention? That they, they wrote these letters for a reason, not just because they were bored. Um, we live in a world where people are putting stuff on social media all the time because functionally they're bored. They've got nothing to do except run their mouth. Um, but the, the author's intent, um, I believe, from the book of Hebrews is this. Jesus is better than the Old Covenant because he is God's provision for our sins. He deserves our wholehearted devotion, and he is able to make us persevere to the end. I think our understanding of persevering to the end is going to become more and more important in our culture. I am just... 
I'm blown away at what's going on. Uh, it is it's astounding, really. And so we as God's people are going to need each other all the more if we're to make it all the way to heaven. Um, and so I'm going to be arguing um, for one of the reasons um, that we need each other is so that we can make it all the way to heaven. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you for the, the incredible privilege I have to be here with my brothers and sisters and friends. It's, um, it's just a great joy to be with your people in a world that is dogging at us at every turn. I thank you that we have each other. Lord, we're all aware that the church is imperfect. And, but we also are aware that the church worships and serves a perfect Savior. And it's in Him that we find our hope, our meaning. And it's He that the world needs. So I pray that as we learn to love you and love one another, the world would see Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so, Lord, I pray that you use these stumbling lips and your perfect word to accomplish good things and in through your people here at Cornerstone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I read a book recently, actually had read it several years ago, but read it again, and I want to read a quote for you out of it. It's a book called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand, and for those of you that are um, in the counseling class on Wednesday night, this is one of the uh, books that Femi has suggested that you read. This, this, this Paul Tripp quote is so powerful. If you followed the Lord for a thousand years, you would still need the ministry of the body of Christ as much as you did the day you first believed. This need will remain until our sanctification is complete in glory. Friends, you're going to have to fight every urge and tendency to say, I don't need the people in this room. We need each other. And can I be so bold to say that you are a fool to think you don't need the people in this room? You need the imperfect church serve a perfect Savior if we are to make it all the way to the end. And I'm, newsflash, if, you, if you're not aware of what's going on in the world, you're going to need each other even more. You know, raising our four kids, it's like, it's astounding what they're having to deal with. Uh, stuff that I never would have dreamed that uh, conversations we'd have to have with them. No, be careful how much I say, because I think this is being recorded. <clears throat> the book of Hebrews teaches that we need each other. We need the church if we are to persevere. I believe devoted church membership is a way in which we apply the three passages in Hebrews we'll look at today. So the first one is Hebrews chapter 3. Um, and I'm going to be making some references to a sermon that uh, Femi, one of our associate pastor, preached because he did a fabulous job in this. I think it was the uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving. So I'm going to be making some references um, to, to Femi's sermon. And he did such a great job. And if you're interested in that sermon, it would be on the, the East Randolph Church website. So the three passages we'll be looking at is out of Hebrews 3, Hebrews 10, and Hebrews 13, where there's a clear call to exhort one another daily, a warning not to forsake regular meeting, and a call for leaders to watch over those who have been entrusted to their care. And again, I am suggesting that faithful church membership is a very good way in which we carry out these teachings from the book of Hebrews. 
Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. <clears throat> Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is still called today, that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I've had the privilege to be a pastor for 20 years, and I have seen people just fall away because they would not allow people to speak into their life. It's been the most heartbreaking part of my job, seeing people who are once a regular part of the body, but when the going went tough, they pushed the church away. And the deceitfulness of sin and the hardness of their heart led them just to say, I don't want it anymore. I've written four letters this year to church members. This is exactly what's happened to them. And with tears, the elders are weeping over these people. So they don't want to hear it. Talk to the hand. Friends, let that not be you. So a quick review, some notes from, Fem from Femi's passage in Hebrews 3 when he preached on this. We, the author of Hebrews uses the word unbelieving. A rejection of God's word. This is not a momentary struggle. We all struggle momentarily believing God's word. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a wholesale rejection of God's word. So I'll tell you what this has looked like in my experience. People who once would study the Bible, now you confront them with some sort of thinking that they have that's unbiblical, and they say, I don't care. I had one woman years ago hand me this note of all the things that I did wrong in the sermon. And one of them was the idea that God disciplines us. And I said, her name? But God says clearly in his word, his, he disciplines those he loves. He goes, no, no, he doesn't. I, that's not my view of God. I'm like, but that's not the God of the Bible. And so we need to constantly be forsaking whatever unbelief we might have. The author of Hebrews talks about the heart. The heart is the real you. So remember Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Parents... When you are sinful and impatient with your kids and you say those words and then you come back and say, I didn't really mean it. You know, what? that's a lie. You did mean it. It came from the heart. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all else, desperately wicked. I always thought it'd be a great Hallmark card, a Valentine's card using that scripture. You know, we're all about love and, you know, honey, I love you, but I know that your heart is deceitful above all else, desperately wicked, but I love you anyway. <laughs> it's true, though. So we've got this issue of unbelief, this rejection of God's word. We've got the problem with our heart, which includes our desires, our thoughts, the real us. And then the result, falling away, a rejection of God's lordship over your heart, mind, and every part of you. And so what does Hebrews say we need? We need each other. Just think about it. When you're not thinking right, do you call a brother or sister that you know is going to lovingly confront you? No. You look for people to justify your thinking. And so a lot of us don't call anybody 
because we know that people who really love us will push back a little bit. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, take care, brothers and sisters. Make sure there's no evil, unbelieving heart that will lead you to fall away. Instead, exhort one another every day. You know what's interesting every day? I wonder if you would just consider, when is the last time you've invited someone to push back a little in your life? Now, I don't think when he says today, what he means is every morning you have to have your accountability group or every night you have to have a prayer meeting. But it's regular. And in my experience, for most believers, it's not very regular at all. And this is what we do. Someone comes up to us, they bring truth where change is needed, and then we remind them of their sin. Or we say, judge not! And we're rejecting the very help that God has provided through his imperfect church to help us make it all the way to heaven. To persevere till the end. Because sin is so deceitful. Just read Genesis 1 through 3. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. Everything. They had the perfect marriage. And they let their hearts be drawn away and deceived. Exhort one another. I think it's the old King James that says, spur one another on. Other words, to charge, to appeal, to warn. Do you welcome warning in your life? Or is it, talk to the hand. Again, I think you're a fool if you're doing that. Because God has given you his people to help you make it to the end. Now, I've never met a person that did this to me that did it perfectly. But I've met a whole lot of people that loved me enough to come to me and say the hard things. God bless them. Who are those people in your life? I want you right now to think of the names of the people that are doing this in your life. And if there's no names on that list, get you some names this week. Now, I wouldn't suggest you pick the most critical person you know, but nor would I suggest you pick the person who never will ruffle things up a little bit. Find that person who seems to be striving to faithfully walk with God that will exhort you, that will encourage you, that will love you, that you not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Think of your friends, people you used to go to church with that fell into adultery or whatever. Didn't happen overnight. And I almost guarantee you these people didn't have this. My wife and I and another lady from the East Randolph Church went to a biblical counseling conference this week and accountability was brought up. And one of the things the speaker said is, it's going to cost you something. If you want this, it will cost you. Your feelings will get hurt. It won't be easy. It's hard work. The author says every day, as long as it's still called today, that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I want to remind you that Satan doesn't show up with a red pitchfork and his pointy horns. He's an angel of light. He's very deceptive. And he knows how to come get you. And you need people to help you.
and I'm suggesting it's probably the people in this room. Again, the author of Hebrews is not saying harass each other, expect perfection. The author of Hebrews, I believe, is drawing back to chapter 2 when he says, do not neglect so great a salvation that we have in Christ. We're not getting pointed to morality here. We're getting pointed back to Christ who died for our sins and gave us new life and gave us his spirit to walk in a new night life. But on this side of the he heaven, we're going to struggle. We're going to scratch and claw. I've said, and probably some of you have heard this say, me say this, one of the hardest things I'm dealing with right now is I thought as a 50-year-old man and Christian, I would be further along in my sanctification. I thought I would be further. I thought the things that I struggled with five years ago, I would no longer struggle with. But you know what? That's not what I'm finding. But thank God for the people he's placed in my life, a godly wife, godly elders, and other brothers and sisters who will needle me along, who'll spur me along. And Lord willing, I'll make it all the way to heaven. As they remind me not to neglect so great a salvation that we have in Christ. The imperfect, faithful local church helps one another to look to Christ and away from the deceitfulness of sin. You know, I've been in a lot of small groups in my life. You know, it's a really a shame how much we foster sinful talk in our Bible studies, isn't it? We let people continue to spew out of the mouth this wicked heart about whatever. And we just kind of stand there silent. Oh, bless their heart, as we'd say in the South. No, not bless their heart. This is hard work. God has given us his people, the church, to exhort one another. Next passage is Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. This is the church attendance passage. I used to be so uh, fearful to tell people they need to be faithful in church attendance. I'm a little less of a coward now. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opens for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us stir up one another to love and good need, deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Are you neglecting to meet together? No, I realize I'm preaching to the choir today, right? But I would argue that one of the high points of our week should be looking forward to being together with God's people on Sunday morning. You know, although I don't see you guys every Sunday like I used to, what a joy it was to come in and see my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's one of the highlights of my week. Why? 
because you spur me on, you encourage me, you point my heart and mind to the Lord Jesus in the songs you sing, in the scriptures you sing, in the fellowship that we have. The author of Hebrews warns us from forsaking our gatherings, ensuring we are regularly meeting together to encourage one another, all in view of the work of Jesus Christ. We're not meeting for a Super Bowl party. We're meeting to worship the risen Christ, our only hope in life and death. Do you need less of that? I need a little less Jesus this week. I need a little more social media. Would anyone say that? I need a little more CNN or Fox News. No, I do not. I need a little more conspiracy theory this week and a little less of God's people. This counseling conference, one of the things they say all the time, and I love it, it's like, we do what we do because we want what we want. The reason you do the things you do is because it reveals your heart and what you really want. I want to be with God's people. I want my kids to be around God's people. Because you know who they're around the rest of the week? Not God's people. Friends, please do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. But encourage one another. Make it your aim every time you're like, I'm going to be with God's people and I'm going to be an encourager. You know the person who's not an encourager sits with a scowl on their face with their arms crossed. Don't anybody talk to me and I'm sure not going to talk to anyone. That's not encouraging anyone. You come in here ready to ask someone how their week is. How can I pray for you? You ask for prayer this week. How are you doing with that? Celebrate new life. So God's people, because all week long we've been beaten up by the world and our own flesh and the enemy. And we have this great opportunity to encourage one another, even in practical ways. Dave Sater's like, hey, you need a drink? I know you preach for an hour and a half. You know, he didn't say that. He asked me if I gave me a drink. That encouraged me. Little things that we can do. But sometimes we're doing all we can just to get ourselves here. And that is some weeks. But I wonder how many of us thought this morning, I'm going to go be with God's people. And one of the things I'm going to do in our public gatherings, I'm going to encourage my brothers and sisters. For those of you who know me, I'm an atrocious singer. Actually, I, I am kind of proud of one of my ministry accomplishments. Some of you remember this. is When we were having outdoor services, I decided one song, Sunday we should sing. And I pulled out a hymn to what could sing. And you know what we did? We multiplied the music team fourfold. <laughs> because I'm so bad. It was awesome. Three of those people are in this room. And we're up here today and did a great job. But you know... We sing songs to encourage each other's hearts. And when I'm with God's people singing, I, will, I was disappointed that Julie sat on the front row. I love to sit in the back row, but at East Randolph, we always sit on the front row. And, and one of the ladies on the music team asked a while ago, why don't you sing sometimes? I'm like, I can't. I am so moved by God's people singing gospel truths in my heart. And I get that every Sunday. But if you are forsaking the assembly, you're not going to be blessed by that. You're not going to receive that. Now, is this, the music team going to pick out your favorite songs? No, but it's not about you. 
And so we gather together to be stimulated by the incredible gospel work of the Lord Jesus who made a new and living way through his flesh at the cross. We have a great high priest over the house of God. One of the things I love about the book of Hebrews is the emphasis on the ministry of Jesus Christ right now. What is he doing right now? He's seated by the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. You know, I love it when people say, I just want you to know, I prayed for you this week. That's great, but it's nothing like Jesus praying for me right now at the right hand of the Father. And so all of this motivates us to gather together as God's people. Friends, church attendance matters. And the way you bring yourself to God's people matters. And I used to, and I still people say, oh, you're being legalistic. Really? Or I hear people say, God knows your heart. And I said, yeah, that's why you need to be at church, because God knows your heart. And you need it cleaned up. And that's what he does in and through the person and work of Jesus. And the church promotes us to that. On Sundays, we gather to worship Christ, to point one another to Christ in song, scripture, prayer, and fellowship. God uses Sundays for his glory and for our good. You know, I can't tell you the number of times I'm like, I do not want to go to church today. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm the pastor. I guess I better go. I might get fired. And you know, there's never a time I go and I'm like, I wish I'd stayed in bed. Again, Hebrews 10 says not to neglect meeting together, but instead encourage one another in view of the gospel, the work of Christ. And I can't tell you how encouraging it is to me every Sunday to come and just see God's people come in the room. I know they've had hard weeks. I know they have other things to do. In Vermont, man, we always have something to do. Put the firewood up. Do, I, there's always something. But it's so encouraging. And you have no idea how you might encourage someone just by showing up on Sunday morning. Have you ever thought about that? When you're doing whatever do you do to get ready on Sunday morning, you ever think, I'm getting ready to be a blessing to God's people. I, I can encourage them. Man, I'll tell you what, those snacks back there, those encouraged me. <laughs> those are great. Again, all in view of the work of the Lord Jesus. By the new and living way, verse 20. The great high priest, verse 21. Verse 22, with our hearts sprinkled clean. Well, how are our hearts sprinkled clean? I won't sing it, Dale. What can wash? Oh, I almost started singing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's what we celebrate. Nothing can clean me up. There's no way I could live one day behaving myself properly and approach God. It's only the blood of Christ. That's what we come to celebrate. We gather, we sing about. Notice also we're, we're stirred up to love and good works. We're afraid to talk about good works because we know we're not saved by our good works. We're saved solely upon the work of Jesus. Sometimes we're afraid to push each other. God saved you not to sit soak and sour, but to serve his kingdom and get after it. So how are you serving him?
was a young man. We redid our sound system last couple weeks in East Randolph. Young man, member of another church. I bet this young man spent 25 hours just serving another church. Young dad, busy electrician. Let's praise God for him. Because he understands he wasn't saved just to sit soak and sour, but to serve the body. And not just the body he's a member of, but another one. Such a blessing. But you know what I know about this young man? He grew up in a home, and that was their model. I could mention his dad, and most every one of you in this room would know that man's name. Because his mom and dad modeled that. That God's people were a priority, and serving them was a priority. And countless people have served us this morning through music, through childcare, through paying the bills, through cleaning the building, all the things they did so that you and I can be here to gather, to worship. And then verse 23, we never should forget the hope. I've been accused sometimes of being a Debbie Downer. For those of you who know me, probably have felt that way before. But we gather to remember and to sing of our only hope in life and death, the Lord Jesus. He's all we need. Christ alone. For Hebrews says he's an anchor for the soul. So we gather together to remind each other and to be reminded. So be here on Sunday. There's so much more to say. And one more passage. And this for me as a pastor has been the most sobering verse, verses in all the Bible. And quite honestly, many times when I've read this verse, I've thought about quitting. I just want to go do something else. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Some of you in this room are church leaders. I'm one among four elders at the East Randolph Church. And this passage tells me, along with the other church leaders, that one day we will give an account before the Good Shepherd, the Chief Shepherd, who died for his sheep. We will give an account for the care that we provided. As if it wasn't daunting enough, I have four children I'm going to give an account for. Now there's a group of people. Yes, I know the O word is there. Obey. We don't much like that. We certainly don't like the S word either. Submit. But friends, God has called you to obey and submit to imperfect, faithful leaders of the church. 
and I can't tell you how many people I've seen absolutely go off the rails because they didn't want to listen to the elders of the church. Many divorces, children that can't stand their parents because their parents just beat them down, people who have revealed that they probably never were Christians because they just completely threw it all off. And there is a heavy weight for church leaders. Again, the reason this passage sobers me is as a leader, I will give an account for the care that I provided to those God has entrusted to my care, as long, along with the other leaders. And it's a weighty responsibility. For those of you that know me, I'm a very, very lighthearted guy. Very, it's a little too silly. But this is what keeps me up at night. Thinking about the souls of my children and the souls of those in whom God's entrusted to my care. And some of you are waiting for the absolute perfect leader before you will obey and submit your leaders. Guess what? His name is Jesus. But Jesus saw fit to give imperfect faithful leaders to the care of his church. I, I realize I'm not your pastor, but I tell the people of East Randolph, if I haven't hurt you yet, I will, and I'm sorry ahead of time. But I still believe God has entrusted me to their care. Again, I can tell you story after story of people that just completely went off the rails because they didn't want to listen. James 3.1 says, Let not many of you be teachers because you'll incur a stricter judgment. The weight that church leaders feel is significant. And if they don't feel it, don't you worry, God will hold them accountable. I'm going to be held to a higher standard as a teacher and preacher. I'm going to be held to a higher standard because the Lord has seen fit to allow me to shepherd a few folks. And it's a heavy weight. And one of your responsibilities, as much as it depends upon you, is to make that a joy for your church leaders. Are you doing that? Because you, you know what I found when I was a much more immature believer? I love to criticize the church leadership when I wasn't a leader. You know, armchair quarterback? Wouldn't have done it that way. And I'll tell you, the Lord has really cut me to the quick and sobered me now that I'm a pastor of realizing the sin that I committed when I was criticizing the leadership of the churches that I was a part of. Not considering the weight that they carry. Just think, remember for you, most of us are parents. Remember how easy parenting was till you actually had kids? <laughs> like, anybody, that's easy. Anybody can do that. Man, then you have them. 
and there's more sinners in your home. There's not just more mouths to feed. Like, you can figure that out. But it's like, ah. You know, I, it's interesting. In God's providence, my parents are here. My parents weren't perfect, but very faithful. And I just found, I'm 50 years old, and I finally am humble enough to admit this. Things just went better when I obeyed my parents. I, I never remember a time it went well for me when I didn't listen to my parents. And I'm not just talking, my parents had no problem with spanking. So I'm not just talking about that part. It just never went real well. And I remember, I don't even know if I've ever told my dad this, a very defining moment for me. It was when I was about 13 years old. We live in a split-level house, had a yodel stove in the basement, and I was jawing at my dad about something. And I'll never forget my dad said, your biggest problem is you won't admit when you're wrong. It's pride. That's your biggest problem too, by the way. <laughs> and you know, I'd love to say from that moment on, I was a humble, compliant kid. I wasn't. It probably took about ah, 15 years. But I don't forget that. So what is your posture towards the church leaders? The imperfect church leaders. And I just can tell you pragmatically in my experience, I have seen what has happened in 20 years over people that they don't want to listen. The carnage in families. Enabling kids to manipulate and live out their self-centered, selfish dreams and not be concerned about their souls. Oh, please. We need each other. In Hebrews, we're told we need one another. We need one-on-one -on -one ministry. We need corporate ministry. We need leaders. We need each other if we're going to persevere, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the cross with his suffering and shame and is now seated at the right hand of our Father in heaven. Friends, you may not admit it, but I will. I need you in my life. Although I'm no longer the pastor of this church, you are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I need you. And so will you help me get to heaven? Let's pray. Father, oh, this is good for me, even though I've preached this sermon before. Father, forgive me for my sometimes prideful attitude towards other people that you have seen fit to put in my life for your glory and my good. And God, again, I know that somewhat preaching to the choir today because these are your people gathered. But we will all be tempted, maybe next week, to not want to be here or, or maybe not be tempted to meet with another brother or sister in Christ that might actually have something difficult to say to us. God, I pray, as the Lord Jesus spoke of in the Gospel of John, that they, the outside world, will know that we are your followers by the way we love one another. This is not optional for us. We must love one another. And we know that this love is not flowery. 
it's gritty, it's hard, it requires a ton of grace, a ton of forgiveness, to not be judging motives. And God, I pray that every single person in this room would make it all the way to heaven. Not because the Bible teaches you can lose your salvation. It clearly doesn't. But the evidence that we're saved is that we will persevere to the end. May that be all of our story. God, help us to be thinking about the people that are not in this room today that maybe should be here. Give us the love and encouragement to reach out to them because we love them. Because they need Jesus, and we need them insofar as they point us to Jesus. Father, I thank you for the many in this room that I know that have been a really important part of this process in my life. Oh Lord, we need you every hour we need you. Pray that your spirit would continue to point us to the Lord Jesus and his imperfect church for his glory for our good, and even for the nations. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.